My next guest is an Atlanta-based actor, singer, and director whose talents have been shared throughout the United States and abroad. In 25 seconds, Sean Dale joins me on an all-new RxG Exclusives. We must open up our You're watching RXG Exclusives. Oh, they tried to keep us away, yeah. Sean, it's a pleasure to finally have you on the program. We've been trying to make this happen for a while, and I've got to admit something here, some transparency. I just didn't put two and two together until preparing for this interview. You and I first connected seven years ago through your cousin and my uncle slash brother from another mother, Vic yes. Brooks. Yes. It was virtual, so we have yet to meet face to face, but it'll happen, sir. Anyway, we connected and life just interfered and we fell out of touch. Then not long ago, we began following each other on social media and I watched you soar as a performer. And I'd see likes and posts by our mutual family and I'd keep thinking to myself, why do I know that name? Why do I know that face? What's this so-called sixth degree of separation? And this is why it's so important for artists, people in general, really, and especially people of color, to keep in touch. I frequently reach out to artists of all backgrounds. Sometimes I get a response, most times I don't. But we're all in this together, just striving to do what we love. In our initial correspondence, we shared our artistry, commiserated a little, and to see where you are now, Sean, just fills me with joy. My only regret is that in all this time, we haven't collaborated. So we need to do something about that. We need to work on that. We're definitely going to work on that. <laughs> you are a supremely talented individual. So you obviously come from great stock. So thank you. kudos to you on that. And you as well, you know? I mean, like, you know, the fact that we connected through, through mutual family members, it's like, you know, that's, you know, it's a telltale sign of, of your excellence as well. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Now, you hold a BA in acting from Union College. You have an MFA in acting from East 15 School in London, but you're a resident of Georgia. So take me to the beginning, that moment when you realized performing was what you were meant to do. And, and how did you nurture that skill? So I knew that I was supposed to perform Robert from a young age. So I, you know, I was that kid who had all this energy and, um, you know, my parents were like, what are, you know, what are we gonna do with all this energy? Let's just put them in, you know, some acting, you know, classes, a little drama school, you know, just to, you know, let him get his energy out, you know? Um, and from that, that led to, you know, my first professional play in fourth grade, which was at uh, the Aurora Fox Arts Center. Cause I, I was born and raised in Denver, Colorado. And so, you know, there's a uh, professional theater out there called the Aurora Fox, and they they were doing a children's show, a uh, professional children's show called Winnie the Pooh. And I was one of the extra characters who had a couple lines here and there. And the craziest thing happened that, like, I was just being me, and all these people were laughing. And I was like, man, this is great. And that just planted the seed for me to want to nurture this craft even more. So you know, all through the years, middle school, high school, I mean, the only thing that was on my mind really was drama and passing school, <laughs> you know, and, and 
that was that was really it. So fast forward to the college years, you know, or I should say the, the semi-pre-college years, it was like people were starting to say, you know, okay, what are you going to do about college? What are you going to do um, in terms of, you know, for your career, this, that, and the other? And um, you or you should probably get a job that will support you, you know, and it will support a wife and family, this, that, and the other, you know, that, the, that story. And um, long story short, I kind of fell for it. I was like, well, fine, you know, like I'll, I'll major in, you know, public relations, you know, and I'll also do, you know, drama as well, you know, so that I can get both fixes in um, and, you know, kind of marry the two so that maybe I can go into like radio and I did a lot of radio production or maybe like broadcasting or something that would at least fulfill my, my passion for theater and performing, right? Um, and, you know, fast forward again, I graduate with the, with this degree in uh, public relations with a, with a, actually specifically uh, another degree, a, a minor in drama. So not a full on major in, 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 in drama um, in theater, but like, I basically walked right into the 2000, you know, in seven, eight, nine recession where I wasn't doing anything like everyone was asking you know where's this job you know no no work for anybody and um you know acting was just kind of a thing of, of the side you know I had my, my girlfriend who was not my wife who was um you know becoming a nurse and so it was just a whole bunch surrounding that so we're going through our marriage now we get married in 2013 and um you know I I had gotten this call late 2013 from the Oshkosh Pathfinder Camp redirectors, uh, Betty Whitehead and, and Ron Whitehead, asking me if I wanted to direct uh, the Oshkosh Camp you know, evening performances. And I said, how did you get my number? <laughs> I'm like, I, how did you even find this information? And they told me that my college uh, professor had, um, you know, giving them my information and said, you know, like, check this guy out as somebody who would be valuable to, you know, the, your, your creative team. And so that led me through a journey of, of reintroduction back into performing and back into the theater um, and back on, the, you know, back to being on stage that literally transformed everything about my life that came before. If there's rain, again and we get pushed off the stage people aren't going to see act five they're not going to see the finale and it's going to be inconclusive we've been asked to keep everyone off the stage starting right now up until that point in time you know i had gotten that safe job i was a recruiter you know working for uh, florida hospital university which is now advent health university um you know recruiting nurses and sonographers and radiographers for their you know denver campus i mean i was I was just doing the, 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 the daily grind, you know, nine to five. Um, and until that moment when I got that call, you know, that was basically what I thought my life was going to be. I was like, well, I'll just maybe do drama on the side or, you know, or maybe I'll join an improv class here or there or something that, that will fulfill that little need. But after Oshkosh, it's like God just opened up some crazy doors um, in terms of what that opportunity provided. Like, it and instilled that fire in me that I had learned as a kid and that I that was nurtured in me all through you know high school middle middle school and high school and and college and like it um 
allowed me to connect with uh, specifically um, some people at Red Rocks Community College who brought me in as an adjunct professor, you know, to, you know, teach a drama class here and there and then direct some shows and then perform in some shows. And so it was just this whirlwind from 2014 on of you know, working basically two jobs, working as an adjunct and as a recruiter. And then finally, as I was talking to one of my mentors at Red Rocks Community College, she was like, you really should pursue your master's. Like, if you really want to go into teaching and like performing, you should pursue your master's in drama. And here is a way to do it. And she, we sat down for a couple hours and really just hashed out a game plan for how to find a, a master's program in, in theater. And that led me to uh, 2017 when I auditioned for uh, at this place called the Erdas, which is kind of like this big cat call, cattle call of um, of uh, you know actors who go to audition for all of these grad schools all in, all in one place. You go to Chicago, you can go to New York, or I think um, like San Francisco. And I, me and me and Luciana, my wife, decided to go to. Um, San Francisco, or excuse me, not San Francisco, uh, Chicago, and do this audition. And so I go into this room with all these people, all representing these, you know, theater colleges that I could potentially go to and hoping that someone's going to see me and call me back later on in the day to, to talk to me one-on-one. -on -one. And, um, you know, and a couple schools did. I, and East 15 was one of the schools that was on my list because a, you know, it's in London. I had lived in Italy prior to that for, for two years. Um, and so I knew the European life. I love the European life. And so the thought of going back to Europe was very enticing. And then not only that, like it allowed me to grow um, in my Shakespeare knowledge, because at that time I had done one Shakespeare play, <laughs> literally one. And I really wanted to nurture that as well. So um, after that audition, they called me back and I talked to them and you know, did some more monologues for them and um, kind of gave them my whole story. And they, you know, a couple months later sent me an acceptance letter and me and my wife just hustled our butts to, to sell all of our stuff, you know, and, and um, find a place to live and, um, and just prepare ourselves for this new adventure that we were going to take living in London, England for two years. And so, um, you know, we get there and again, it's just, I mean, for anybody out there listening who've been to drama school, y'all know it's, it's both the most rewarding experience and it's a weird experience as well, because sometimes if you're in movement class, you're rolling around on the floor, you know, in a character, developing a character, doing animal studies, you know, it's just, if somebody were looking through a window, you, you know, they're like, what is this, this is drama school? But that's not all that it is, you know, I mean, it's so much more than that, but. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so basically from 2017 on, it was just nose to the grind, you know, really threw myself back into acting and performing in a way that was relentless. I mean, I, I was just, I, I, I felt like I had been given a second chance, right? To do the thing that I loved to do and to actually fulfill 
the scholastic opportunity to pursue this thing at a, at the highest level, you know, because it's a terminal degree that I have. And so um, I just, I made the absolute best of it and, and it changed my life. I came back to, uh, to um, we came back to the States because my wife is a nurse, right? And so uh, we wanted to stay in England. That's another story, but you know, we came back here to um, so that she can, you know, pick up her nursing uh, career. And we set out a plan. We said, okay, let's mark out five or six cities that we could see ourselves living in, right? For the foreseeable future that has both opportunities in acting and um, for, for hospitals for nurses so we plotted out los angeles we plotted out you know we thought about new york we thought about chicago but after coming from london we already kind of knew what new york was going to be like and we had bought a car by that point so we were like well there's there's no way you can live in new york with, with a car there's just you just don't want to do it so um we had you know new orleans atlanta and basically we just started plotting out all these different cities and she started doing travel nursing so right at the end, because I graduated in 2019, like fall of 2019, came back home. And we all know what happened just a few months later. You know, I'm coming back from drama from, from grad school and thinking that, okay, I'm, I'm going to hit the ground running with this acting thing. And it was great. I got a couple of short films under my belt. And then, boom, pandemic. Now, while you have experience on the screen, a great deal of your work is on the stage. You're a Shakespearean-trained actor. Among your many credits are the classics like The Importance of Being Earnest, Porgy and Bess, Lobby Hero, The Merchant of Venice. From your perspective, how does one navigate between the stage and the screen, and do you have a preference? Theater and screen, they're two very different mediums, right? Like. I, I'm a little bit more biased in, with like theater and classically trained actors that go into film because um, I just feel like there's a groundedness that, that you get as a classically and theater trained actor that you don't really get when you just jump right on into film. Like, um, but then there's also, there's also um, a level of blocking out the noise you know, that you also don't get from be, like when you're in, when you're on film that you don't get on like being on stage, like when things are that close in your face, um, it's hard to stay in the moment and it's hard to feed off of, you know, that audience reaction. So they both have in their both, in, in both of their respects, they both have um, things about them that, that you need to actually train for right or like get experience gain experience in and so um the the transition is it's become easier there's a there's a a thing that i like to do that a teacher taught me which is is interesting because i i'm kind of a, a nervous kind of energy about me i'm very you know just boppy in general but um my teacher came up to me one time and she just put her hand on my chest and she was like just breathe and and ground yourself and calm down um and from time to time and if whenever i go on to like film sets or like if i'm you know in that kind of environment then i'll you know put my hand on my chest and just 
ground myself or I'll do some breathing exercises that I was trained to do so that when I am transitioned into from stage to film, I'm able to not make my performance so big and bombastic as I would have to do on stage. I can use the same techniques that I've learned, uh, you know, in, in building the moment to moment, but ground them in a more, um, you know, naturalistic um, naturalistic yeah like more of a naturalistic kind of way than a theatrical way exactly so yeah that's yeah that's what i would say about you know transitioning from there and then vice versa when transitioning from from theater from film to theater it's like you really have to amp up the the energy you know big time because it requires your whole physical being. It requires, you know, like theater is, people don't know, like people who aren't involved in theater, like they, they really, it's, it creeps up on you how physical you have to be. Like you have to understand how your instrument works. You have to understand how your body mechanics work, what your limitations are or what your, lim or what, you know, your potential could be. Um, and how to stretch all of the all of those you know elements on a performance to performance basis, uh, and I have tons of stories about how you know from one performance to the next in the same show limitations were stretched and um, you know and minimized depending on you know what I if I'd hurt myself or something or you know or if my voice wasn't you know you know on on if I wasn't on voice as they say. I always say theater trained actors can arguably transition to film far easier because of the discipline that it takes. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. Um, it's it's because there's the there there are techniques and stuff that you learn, you know, through that process of, of going through the theater, like just basic acting principles that you learn um, that you can take from one place to the other. You could take from one medium to another, even if it's not like on film. You could take the same, you know, techniques that you learn from the stage or just in acting, you know, to voiceover, which is a great deal of what I did over the past, during throughout the pandemic. And although that's a different medium in and of itself, I was still able to use the same acting choices and and. Um, understanding of acting practice, basic acting practice and building moments, even in that medium as well. So um, theater acting has really trained me to expand the broader performing boundaries in that sense. Now you mentioned briefly entertaining the idea of living in London. I've never been to the UK. It seems like a beautiful place. I've always said I'd like to live there for at least a period of time and work in their theater and film industry. Can you share what the industry is like there compared to here in the States? Oh, brother, it is. It is like, it feels like Mecca, but at the same time, I've never, you know, been to New York City, you know, to, to really, ex I mean, I've been to New York City, but I, I don't know the culture of the acting scene there, but I will tell you that from what I've heard from New York, like like in comparison to London, um, London is just a performer's safe haven. Like there's tons of stuff to always do. the The competition is different. It's it's more collaborative there. Artists and performers are more uplifted. Like there's just 
a bigger sense of camaraderie um, and and acceptance of the arts. You know, like I I had no problem walking around, you know, telling people, oh yeah, like I'm an actor, I'm studying at East 15. They're like, oh, East 15, yes. Like, you know, we, we, we love East 15 as we've heard of East 15. Like I have a friend or whatever, you know, or like, you know, it's, it's the support. And these are people who are just like at a random pub or just, you know, people who are at the mall or something, you know, like people who are not involved in the theatrical or performing world at all. The, the, the UK has so much to offer performers, um, uh, you know, from all different spectrums from, from, film to tv to voiceover i mean voiceover there is a booming business with the bbc it's a booming business and it's and it's not slowing down anytime soon i mean it's great um and yeah and, and then to theater as well i mean it's just you have the west end that's basically like broadway i mean it's it's a beautiful place to 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 hone your craft because then you're also really close to scotland which has the Edinburgh Fringe Festival every summer. And that is wild because you, you have people that come from all over the world putting up small performances in little performance spaces no bigger than like your bedroom, you know? And you can pack 20, 30 people in there with a little, you know, black box and just give the performance of a lifetime or see something that's like maybe not as inspiring. It's just, you see it all, you experience it all, and everyone is there in support of you. It's it's a beautiful place to perform, a beautiful place, place to live. <laughs> now your wife, as you said, is not in the industry. We artists are far from easy to deal with. How important is it for artists, especially men, to have a supportive partner? Oh, it's, it's invaluable. Um, it's invaluable. And you know, the support and support comes in many different forms, right? Um, like, and it's not just financial, it's, it's verbal. Honestly, for me, like if, if, if my wife never did another thing for me, the fact that she has just said, like, has it has never, ever, 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 ever in our nine years of marriage and our, you know, 13 years of being together, has ever said, don't do this. She's always been like, well, yeah, like go for this, you know, let's make a game plan. She's very much a game planner. Like she loves to, to have a plan and I do too, but I've learned so much from her in that respect. And, and her, and like, she has taught me how to be a better actor just because she's a, just because she's a more observant um, and supportive person. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, I got very lucky. Uh, that's the only way that I can say it. I got very lucky and fortunate to have her as my wife because um, I would not feel confident going into this <laughs> going into this industry, as you know, where you, where sometimes you don't know what's coming next or you don't know how things are going to shape up. Um, uh, you know, without her support, I wouldn't know how to. I wouldn't know how to navigate it or or to stay sane in it or to or honestly to have the endurance um to to continue but i mean like the endurance thing for me is is a little bit different because like i was saying earlier you know you don't always get a second chance to do what you love to do and so a lot of that comes from there but 
her in my corner all the time is like the fuel to this fire. That's beautiful, man. Your wife is a blessing. Those outside of our industry see the photos, the red carpet, the curtain calls, the reviews, the awards, and draw various conclusions. However, the journey to reaching our dreams is often surrounded by internal and external obstacles, rife with rejection. So when the industry says no to Sean Dale, what is your response? How do you manage to stay the course? Aside from your wife, how do you keep going? Man, it it involves a lot of. Um, I do a lot of reading, and I'd like to. I'd like to see. Like, I like reading articles specifically about acting, about a how to become a better actor, or like how, or like m meditative or motivational things. To be honest, you know, like because we need motivation. Like we need we need positive words to say, hey, look, like nobody ever got anywhere by you know not doing what they by not pushing for their goals, you know, whatever that goal may be. Um, but I really have been inspired to, to just meditate more on things uh, that are positive. Um, and yeah, like when I get rejected, I don't even think of it as rejection anymore. I, I actually really love what a lot of, you know, a lot of act, a lot of the actors nowadays, I love their mentality towards the pursuit of acting, right? It's like the audition is not the, the chance to show what you can do as much as it is the job itself. It's like you get up, you go out there and you do your job. Like whether whether you get that, whether you get, you know, called back or, or cast or not, the job is going out there, hustling, putting your face out there to all the different people and um, really showing up, just showing up is 90% of what you have to do. And so um, when I'm rejected or like if I don't get something that I really want or whatever, you know, like it's become less of a disheartening thing because I don't focus on getting the part. I just focus on, you know, chugging in that train, you know, keeping that train chugging along with finding auditions, submitting for certain things. And, and I, I won't even lie to you, Robert. I won't even lie to you. Sometimes that is a daily choice. Like, you know, it it is, it can be exhausting to sit down, submit, 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 and then like wait for an audition to come back your way or wait for somebody to like, you know, um, you know, give you a call back or whatnot. But by not doing that, I, I, I will not get as I, I won't get as far as I will, I will get, you know. Can you leave your audition on the floor or is it a case by case basis? It's a case by case basis. Generally, I can leave it on the floor. Um, generally, I can. And, you know, we all get caught up in that, man, I really want it. But, um, and I, I don't want to sound flippant and say like, you can't you can't really want it you know because that's a lie i feel like that's a lie like most of the time if there's a project that you want and you know you want it like it's it's gonna hurt when it doesn't come your way if it if it doesn't come your way you know what i mean um but i will say it is easier to 
go in there not thinking like that I got to get it. My only goal when I go into that room is, 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 as I learned to be better in the room, is to really just be in the moment, like be flexible. As one of my, as one of my teachers said, um, he's like, let's jazz, you know, because jazz is, is spontaneous. It's, you know, it goes anywhere. It, it can take any direction and any instrument, anybody can just jump in and do something. You have to be able to roll with it. And so, like, I try to just think about going into an audition room like that, you know, not set in a way of how a character should be, but have my choices ready to go, but be ready to just jazz with folks and, you know, throw something else out there if they want me to go a different way with it or whatever, you know, and just not give people my power in the room. And what I'm, what I mean by that is, um, we we as performers can get caught up giving other people our power in the sense that we're like oh man they control the outcome of our lives they are the ones who 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 are the ones who are going to be able to make this work come to come to fruition for me or whatever um now like you're giving them their power by saying they they have the power to, to direct my career i have the power to direct my career and it's up to me how do you protect your mental physical and spiritual health just finding a place of peace to just sit and be um, has been super valuable um, with everything that has been thrown my way and it's it's just allowed me to think more clearly um, think on myself think on my on my direction in life and how I'm impacting other people you know um, I don't know how it is for you but like I know for myself that I found that I um, really tend to accidentally shut people out whenever I get into that space. Like if I'm either in go mode or if I'm in, you know, <clears throat> like trying to figure out my whole life kind of thing, I just kind of go ghost. And I'm trying not to do that. I'm trying to be more present. And so it's, it's, um, it's just, finding the time to really finding the time to just sit and be for, for as many moments as I can spare is probably the most helpful. Well, Sean Dale, thank you so much. Man, I appreciate being on this show. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's good to chat with you. And thank you for watching RXG exclusives. Can you share about some of your upcoming projects? I mean, if you live in the, the Southwest region of Florida, um, you'll be seeing your boy on a commercial down there for Northwest Exterminating. Also, uh, beginning of next month, I'll be heading back to Kilgore, Texas to do the um, Texas Shakespeare Festival's Roadshow, which is where for seven weeks they do two plays, two Shakespeare plays, um, and put them up and tour them all throughout Texas, all different areas of Texas where we could spend um, that time going to a lot of different places. Like uh, one of the places in particular is um, like a, I want to say a juvenile, a juvenile center and like, and then like, or, or, or different places like that. It's more like an outreach kind of thing. So we'll be doing that and um, then come back just in time for the holidays to chill because <laughs> it's been, it's been a very busy year. <laughs>
make sure to like, comment, and hit subscribe on our YouTube channel so you never miss out. RxG Exclusives, hosted by Robert X. Golfin, now playing.